So what do you want to talk about today? I got nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're in one of those times of the year when we, um, when we turn up the heat a little bit. We really put the challenge on and encourage people uh, to be inviting other people to church. You turn me down just a little bit, Chris. Now, the truth is, if we love our church, or heck, even if we just, um, even if we just like our church as a friend, <laughs> we ought to be inviting people all the time. We should constantly be inviting people to come and be a part of it. Study after study after study has shown that over 80% of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ do so because of the invitation of a friend or a family member. Now that's off the charts. Think about all the different ways that evangelism is done, that outreach is done in our world. Think about all the different ways church is invested in doing outreach and still 80% of people who come to faith in Christ come because of the invitation of a friend or a family member. So we're focusing on that for a couple weeks. Now, you know, somebody said, well, you, you weren't prepared for today, so what are you going to do? Well, I took Latin next week's sermon and cut it in two and then just, you know, fluffed it up a little bit. And, I mean, Ron Flora said one time, listening to me preach was like eating roll bologna. You just cut it off on either end. It's about the same. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what he meant by that. Today we're going to talk about the message that we have to share, and then next week we'll talk about why we should want to bring our friends to church and how we go about doing that. So, so let's just jump in, okay? And, and let's see where this takes us. We'll, uh, we'll finish on time today, I bet. One of the things that makes Christianity unique is that we have a message. A message that when we deliver it with clarity, and it makes contact with the heart, it has the potential to totally transform every life that it touches and to change the world. Now, how's that for a big, bold claim? Years ago, you may remember, I mean, when I was younger, sometimes television shows or even radio programs would cut to commercial by saying, uh, please stand by for an important message. Hey, we have a message. We can tell the world, please stand by for the most important message you will ever hear. Absolutely has the power to change lives. It's, it's a message that's so powerful that the person who gets it, who gets it not just here, but right here, who gets an understanding of who God is and what He wants to do in our lives, from that moment on, everything in our world looks different. Everything looks different. When that message gets in here, we see our relationships differently. When that message gets in here, we, we look at our families differently. We, we, when that message gets in here, we approach our jobs differently. We look at life and death itself differently. And those changes come not because somebody stands up here in front of us or leads some study and tells us, you ought to change, you ought to be different, but because the message has the power to change our lives. 
That's why I can stand here and tell you that this morning, I am more excited than I have ever been about the mission and the future of this church. There's, a, there's an excitement building in me about the future of this church because, listen, we've got the right message. We've, we have information to share that is based in truth and that, that can alter the lives and the eternal destinies of the people who hear it, who get it. It's called the gospel. And it's not just a message for our town or our community. It's not just a message for our, even for our country. It's not a message for uh, Americans. The message of the gospel is a universal message. The gospel is for everybody. And if we'll be clear about that message and creative, I think it's important not to let a bunch of churchy junk get in the way. Not to complicate it, not to close it off from people or, or make it some exclusive thing. If we'll be clear and creative in our expression of that message, then by His grace, God will allow us to take that message to the hearts and lives of people here and around the world, and their lives will be different, changed forever. Because of what we do here. See, we, one of the things that we've got to be shaken out of is small church, small town thinking. We are fully capable of doing things here that can reverberate around the world. You know, one thing that you hear us say from time to time, but one thing that we talk about is changing the world from a cornfield. But it can be done. Small church, small town, gives almost $2,000 to, a, to a, a missionary that we had met about five minutes before. You think that's not going to make an impact around the world? Thousands of miles from here, lives will be changed and different because of what you did here. Technology, communication has changed to the point that things we do right here in this community, this small town, this little dot on a map. Did you know there are two floras in Indiana? Does anybody else know that? One's just a little, it's an unincorporated crossroads. I don't even think it has a zip code. But there are two floras in Indiana. That one, the other one don't count. Okay. Well, ours does. Ours does. We're going to keep growing and changing and learning, and we're going to stay committed to sharing the most important message in the world. There are so many people here who could testify to the power of that message. There are stories right here in this room right now who could testify to lives changed because you heard it and you believed it. See, the truth is, those of us who are believers here this morning are here because someone took the time and the effort to invite us to be here, to see to it that we were exposed to that message, to be in a place where the message was shared clearly and with simplicity and delivered to us in a way that we could hear it and receive it and accept it. So this morning, I, I want to talk about that message. I, I want us to, to talk about the gospel message for everybody by digging into a passage of Scripture uh, that if we can get our heads around it, will allow us to grow by leaps and bounds in our spiritual understanding. It's a, it's a passage of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul. It's one of those places in, in the Bible that uh, there's no parables in this passage of Scripture. There's no metaphors. 
There's not, there's not a lot of symbolism. Uh, there's no inspiring stories. It's just a straightforward, literal explanation of the gospel, the good news for everybody. And uh, it's printed on the back of your, of your notes page so that you can read it. We didn't do a bulletin this morning, but we did do a notes page. And if you grabbed one of those, that scripture's on the back. And here's where I want to go with this. As I was praying about this, this is, this is what I want to do here. I, I, my hope is that every one of us who, who hears this message will be able to share it, to take it and to share it, to go to another person, maybe a friend or a family member or a coworker, and whether it's, it's our personal sharing, whether it's with a CD, whether we point somebody to the website or, or, or whatever, where we can direct them to this message, this passage of Scripture, and say, here's the deal. Here's the raw info that if it gets in your head and then from your head to your heart, it can change your life forever. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 3. If you haven't already turned there, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, turn to the book of Romans chapter 3. The Scriptures, as I said, are on the back of your, your notes page, and then it will be on the screen too as we go along this morning. We just kind of work our way through this passage of Scripture in Romans 3. And we'll start with verse 21. Romans 3, 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Folks, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. We have right standing with God. To have a right standing with somebody means the relationship is in good working order. That, uh, that everything's good in the relationship. That there's no uh, weirdness there. There's no awkwardness there. There's no junk there. Everything's good in that relationship. And Paul starts off in this passage of Scripture telling us that we have a right standing with God. A relationship in which whenever we think about God, or whenever we talk to God, or whenever that we think that maybe He's thinking about us, that at any given point in time, we can say, you know what, I'm not perfect. In fact, I'm far from it. But as far as my relationship with God goes, everything's good. Everything's right. And we don't have to hide from Him. And we don't have to run from Him. We don't have to be afraid of Him. We don't have to be weird around Him. We have a right standing with God. Now watch this. Where does that right standing? Where does that right standing come from? Where does that type of relationship with God come from? It comes from God. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. A right standing with God comes from God. Now, don't overlook the fact that Paul begins this passage of Scripture saying, but now. This is new news. He's telling them something new. This is something entirely new. You see, prior to this, in every religion that had ever existed on planet Earth, a right standing with God did not come from God. It came from, well, it came from me, my effort, my work, what I did. Paul says, now it's all changed. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Newsflash. They'd never heard this before. 
This message had never been proclaimed before. That we can have a right standing with God and that it comes from God and it comes without keeping the requirements of the law. That means we didn't earn it. That means we didn't have to do a bunch of stuff to get God to say, okay, okay, I'll give you right standing with me today. It's not about keeping rules and laws. It's not about keeping the, the Ten Commandments. The, it's not the, the whole system that says if we do good, God will accept us, and if we don't, He won't. That's been done away with. It's been replaced by a system in which we have a right standing with God that comes from God apart from all that other stuff. And that is is so difficult for us to get our heads around. I I know because I've been telling folks this for a long, long time, and some people still can't get there. It's no wonder that we think we have to earn it or, or perform for it. Because when we were little, they sent us off to school and And we'd turn in a paper, and the teachers didn't mark the ones we got right. They marked the ones we got wrong. Attention was on what we did wrong. At home, we didn't get rewarded for being good as much as we were punished for being bad. You know, the whole time I was a little kid believing in Santa Claus, my mom and dad never said, you have been so good that Santa Claus is going to give you double this year. It never happened. Maybe I was just never good enough. But even as a grown-up, do you know I have never gotten a letter that says, Dear Scott Gamble, thank you for paying your taxes this year. And being such a model citizen, the president would like to meet you and give you a special award. Never got a letter like that. But hey, try not paying them and see what happens. (laughs) You'll hear from them then. In every part of our world, in every part of our culture, when we mess up, we get people's attention. Every part of our world, every part of our culture, we get the good conduct award, right? We get the good citizenship medal by acting good, being good, doing good. So it's no wonder when we come to God, we think it's more of the same. We think, you know, if I, if I do good and act right and jump high enough and perform well enough, then maybe, maybe I'll be able to get to and keep a good standing with God. But Paul says now a right standing with God is available from God without having to do all that other stuff. And he says, Moses and the prophets told us this day was coming. Moses and the prophets told us there was a day when God would say to people who were far off, who were not his people, draw near, be my people. The entire Old Testament pointed to a day when we wouldn't have to perform our way into God's favor, but we could have a right standing with God as a gift from God. A right standing with God as a gift from God. Let's go on to verse 22. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to do on the back of that notes page or even in your Bible, if you write in your Bible, circle the word faith in verse 22, and then go back to verse 21 and circle the word law and draw a line connecting the two of them. Because Paul is con- he's making a contrast here of two completely different things. 
the old way, the old way of being made right with God, the old operating system where we had to secure a right standing with God for ourselves by what we did, and the new way, the New Testament way, the, the new covenant, new operating system way in which we can have the assurance and security of knowing that a right standing with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we get it. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. The next part of verse 22 there. And this is true for, say it, everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's true for everyone, no matter what church you grew up in or what church you went to last week or last year or five years ago or what you've done or what your life situation What's your circumstances? Your bad. Maybe you didn't grow up in church at all. It's true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's a universal message. It's not an American message. It's not an American gospel. It's not a gospel just for, for certain races or certain nationalities or certain types of believers. It's, it's an all-skate. It's everybody in the pool. It's everybody. It's universal. No matter what we've done or haven't done. No matter what we intended to do or promised to do but didn't follow through on. Anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, their trust and their confidence in Him, has the opportunity to experience a right standing with God. No matter who we are. If you're looking at a different translation, it might say something like, there is no difference or there is no distinction. Now this is where some of us get hung up. We say, hey, hey, hang on just a minute there. I... I know some people who are close to God, and, and I know some people who, you know, who aren't so good. But most of all, I know me. I know my jealousies and my lust and my inconsistencies and, and my hatreds. And, oh, if you could hear the things I'd like to say to some people. There has to be a difference between good people and me. Right? There has to be a difference. I mean, I know how bad I am. I know my heart. Did you know that Paul is writing this to people he's never met? I mean, he knows of them. He's heard about them. He knows about them, but he doesn't know them. And still he can say to them, I know you think there's some kind of grading system. I know you, you think that there's like different levels of a relationship with God, but there isn't. This right standing with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Now, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, because there is something that levels the playing field that puts us all at the same go, puts us all at the same start line, puts everybody at the same place, and it has nothing to do with how well we've kept the rules or how well we followed the law or how good we've been. In fact, just the opposite is true. Look at verse 23. Romans 3.23 says this. It starts this way. For everyone has sinned. For everyone has sinned. 
You know, sometimes they will caution you about using real declarative, kind of exclusive words, like definitive words, like all and every. But Paul doesn't shy away from that in his declaration of the gospel, does he? Everyone has sinned. We've all done wrong. We've all acted in ways that are contrary to God's will and His purpose. We've all chosen, chosen to do things that were not right. As much as we want to say, well, it just happened. No, nothing just happens. We've chosen to do things that were not right. The one thing, when you think about it, the one thing that really unites us with every other person who has ever lived is sin. We've all sinned. Now, with varying degrees, yeah. And in different times, and we've sinned against different people, yes. And we've sinned with a wide variety of intentions. You know that you can sin intending to do the right thing, to do a good thing. But the bottom line is that we've all sinned. We've all done wrong in God's eyes. Nobody gets out. Nobody gets out from under this. And watch this. Not only have we all sinned, look at the next part of verse 23. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, God has a standard. Listen now, because you're not going to hear this everywhere. God has a standard, and that standard is rooted in, it's based in His glory. And His glory is based in His greatness. And let me tell you what it's all wrapped up in. It's all wrapped up in His perfection, that God is perfect, that there is no sin in Him, that He has never sinned and never will sin. So God's glorious standard is perfection. And if we've sinned even one time, we're not perfect. And what's more, we can never be perfect again. That black mark is always there. Nothing can be done to, to erase it. We cannot ever be perfect. By our sin, we forfeited our right standing with God and we can't do anything to get it back. No matter how much good we do. No matter how much effort we put in trying to do things right. That sin is always there. And you know what? I know people who are way worse sinners than I am. Way worse. You don't want me to name names. <laughs> and I know people who are not near as bad of a sinner as I am. But I'm not the standard. I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. That's the problem with comparing ourselves to one another. It leads us into the, it leads us into the worst kind of, of kind of legalistic religionism. Well, no, I'm not perfect, but better than him. Better than she is. Oh yeah, there are some that are you know, better than me, but come on. Look at all these people that I'm better than. That's the only thing, that's the only place we can go when we make ourselves the standard. We make comparing ourselves to each other. And you know what? When you start inviting people to church, you're going to hear that. Well, I live better than some of them people out there at that church. I'm sure you do. But that's not the standard. 
You live worse than some of them too. But that's not the standard. The standard is the glorious greatness of God. The glorious perfection of God. And we've all missed that. We've all missed that so that nobody in and of themselves, by themselves, has a right standing with God. That standing is perfection and there's nothing we can do to get it for ourselves once sin enters the picture. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we can live the rest of our lives separated and alienated from God. Or we can hope that, you know, that He really does have that scale and that when we stand before Him on Judgment Day that He's going to put the good things we've done on one side and the bad things on the other and you know, hope that there's a little more on the good side to kind of tilt it in that direction. We can hope that He grades on the curve. We can hope that at least we're a little better than some people. Or we can hear the message and believe the message and receive the message. Paul says, I got good news. If you will get it, it's a life-changing message. This is a a life-defining moment. If you will get it, a right standing with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we all need it because everyone has sinned. We've all failed to meet up, to match up with God's glorious standard. But now watch this, verse 24. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. You want to know where your righteousness comes from and my righteousness comes from? It does not come from doing right, being right. It comes because God pointed at us and said, you're right. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, he said, now you're right. Now you're righteous. Now you have right standing with me. We've been given a status. We haven't been given a task. We've been given a status. We've been declared righteous and we didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. It's a gift. And God doesn't give us that gift because we figured out some way to deserve it. He did it, Paul said, because of his kindness. Because of his grace and his mercy. Look at the next part of Verse 24 there, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Paul says, in case you missed it the first time, this right standing with God that comes from God comes through Jesus Christ, not by our effort. It comes because what needed to be done was done for us, and we don't have to do it. You know, if I, if I borrow $500 from you, First of all, <laughs> lucky me, you know, but too bad for you. I borrow $500 from you and I can't pay you back. But I grab somebody else and I get them to pay you back for me. You're paid, right? You don't care where the money came from. You're paid. It's taken care of now. You know, if I get a speeding ticket and I owe the township $185. They don't care who signs the check as long as they get their money. The message of the gospel is that we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, that we didn't have the means, the ability to pay. 
but it had to be paid. And so Jesus stepped in and paid the debt that we owed. He saved us from the debt. That's why we call him our Savior. We didn't have the means. We didn't have the ability to pay. Our sin meant we were going to come up short when the payment was due. We were less than we needed to be to pay that debt and have right standing with God. So God sent His Son to pay our debt. It was given to us. It's a gift. Paul goes a little deeper in verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. A sacrifice means something is given up. Something has to be given up for a sacrifice to take place. Something is given up for someone or for someone else. Something else. In the Old Testament, animals were taken and slaughtered and burned on an altar and they were done on someone else's behalf for something they had done to, to help them get to back into a good standing with God. And that sounds strange to us, doesn't it? This idea of animal sacrifice. But you know what? We, we, we play the little sacrifice game all the time. Because all of us have done stuff that we know we shouldn't do. We've all done stuff we know we shouldn't have done. We've all sinned in some way. We know what, it feel, what, it, what it's like to feel alienated from God, right? We all know that. We've all walked away from some situation or some circumstance or, or some event not feeling good about us and God. Feeling a, a lack of something. Feeling a, a disconnect. You know, sensing that, that something needs to be done to make it right. So what do we do? We say, hey, I know I'll go to church on Sunday. In fact, I'll go to church the next three Sundays. I don't even have to, but I'll go the next three Sundays. And, and that'll do it. That'll get things evened out between me and God. I'll, you know, I'll sacrifice. The, I, I, I was scheduled to, to play golf, or I was going to go fishing, or we were going to go out of town, but, but now I'm going to go to church the next three Sundays, and that's going to even everything out between me and God. Because we know. We know when we've sinned and we've messed up and we've done something wrong that it, that it takes us out of a right standing with God, and we fall back in the sacrificial thinking of something that we've got to do because there's a debt that has to be paid. Now, according to the Bible, there is something that has to be done to make things right. The problem is we can't do it. We can't do it. God says, hey, that debt is real. That disconnect you feel is real. And I've sent my son to make all of it right. I sent my son to pay for, to die for your sin so that you don't owe me anymore. And I know that sometimes you feel ashamed and guilty and weird, but you've got to know, you've got to know in your heart that the moment you turn from your sin and trust my son through faith and, and come to me, we're okay. We have a right standing, you and I, and your sin can never mess that up again because my son has taken it out of the equation. The Scripture says God is no longer holding the sins of men against them because Jesus dealt with sin. 
Hebrew, the book of Hebrews says Jesus dealt with sin once and for all time. And that when he returns, it will not be to deal with sin. It's already been taken care of. That's the, that's the power and the beauty, beauty and the, the majesty of the gospel. Our Savior died for our sins, and we have right standing with God. Not because we made up for our past. Not because we didn't miss church for a month. Not because we read a bunch of verses or said a bunch of prayers or made a bunch of promises to do better. Our right standing with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now look at the rest of verse 25. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Now, we're about to see one more amazing thing, and then we're going to be done. Before Jesus came, no sin had been paid for. It had been covered over through the sacrificial system, through the sacrifice of bulls and goats, the sacrificial animals. Their their blood had covered it over, but it hadn't been paid for. So all the sins of the past were just sort of dangling out there, sort of hanging out there waiting to be taken care of. But go on to verse 26. It says, For he was looking ahead and including them, including those people back then, in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Now let me tell you, we talked about this before. What about Abraham? What about Moses? What about Noah? What about Jacob? What about Joseph? What about Isaac? How how did they get saved? you know how they got saved? They were saved by believing in the promise of the Messiah. They They were saved by believing in the promise of that which we have the real to place our faith and trust in. They didn't know his name. They knew some things about him. I mean, how many prophecies are there in the Old Testament? about the coming Messiah. They knew he was coming, but their faith in that promise saved them because Paul says here, God is fair and just. Listen, never make the mistake of thinking that grace means that God just winks at sin, that he dismisses it or ignores it. He doesn't. He's a fair God, but he is a just God. And his just, it was his justice that demanded the payment for sin, that a price be paid, that the debt be taken care of. And so the just one said, I will become the justifier. They owe a debt, and they can't pay it. They can never pay it, so I'm going to pay it for them. And God, the just one, became our justifier by sending his son to pay our debt. There's just no better deal on the table, folks. We come, this is a community church. We come from a lot of different backgrounds. But I don't care where you came from or what you learned or where you went or where you didn't go. There's no better deal than that on the table. Our right standing with God comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ. What an incredible message. What an incredible message that we're called to share. And you know what? The the key reason, that message is the key reason that as a church, we do what we do the way that we do it. We believe in keeping the gospel simple and keeping church simple. Do you know we could fill up 
every day and night of the week with activities and this group and this fellowship and this circle and this, uh, you know, activity. But we don't do it. Because the simplicity of the gospel, that needs to be our focus. The simplicity of the gospel. People come to me and go, well, why don't we have this, this, this program or that, that group? Show me how it focuses our attention on the simplicity of the gospel message. If it, if it takes our attention somewhere else, takes our attention away, we're getting away from our focus. We want to share the life-changing, life-altering, life-transforming gospel with as many people as possible, with everybody, with, with, with children and students and, and single moms and married people and, and bikers and bankers and, and young and old and rich and poor and people who are steeped in church and religion and people who never entered the door of a church in their life. We're trying to create an environment here where anybody can come and hear and be exposed to the message of the gospel. And not run away from here thinking, oh man, that just confirms to me why I hate church. That just confirms to me why I said when I'm grown, I'm never going back. We're trying to pull all that stuff out and get rid of all that stuff. So that we can share a simple message that everybody can hear. That everybody has sinned. That everybody needs a Savior. That Jesus Christ died for everybody's sins. And that everybody who trusts Him by faith can have a right standing with God, a right relationship with God, and love and acceptance from God. And when we get that right, everything changes. Everything changes. And I know, I know, I know how difficult it is to share the gospel with someone else. And it seems like sometimes the closer we are to a person, the harder it is for us to share. You ever wonder why there's so much emphasis in the church world on stranger evangelism? Why are so many of our programs on, you know, focused on going to people that we don't know to share the gospel? Because it's difficult to share with people that we know because they know our lives. They can see our lives. But if our lives become a testimony to this message, a testimony to grace, a testimony that says, yeah, I mess up, but guess what? It's not a deal breaker. It's an opportunity for me to start over. It's an opportunity for me to, to go back to my first love. It's an opportunity for me to leave the far country as a prodigal and come back to the Father's house. I don't get kicked out. I don't get chopped off. I don't get thrown away when I mess up. I'm embraced. I'm welcomed back. My Father throws a party when I come back after I've messed up. I'm, you know, I may not be very smart, but I think there's a world out there ready to embrace the message of the gospel of grace. When we understand the message, everything changes. Because people who are forgiven find it easier to forgive other people. People who, who have been loved find it easier to love others. People who've been accepted find it in their hearts to accept other people. People who have received grace share grace with other people no matter what they've done. 
Folks, the gospel is not just about what happens to us when we die. It's about how we live right here, right now. We may have problems and struggles in, in, in every other relationship in our life, but we can know this morning. We can know today. We can know that we know that we know that everything is okay between us and God. That everything is okay. And not because we've been good, not because we figured out a way to make amends for all the wrong that we've done, but because God sent His Son to take care of it, to pay for it all. And we don't have to run from Him. We don't have to hide from Him. We don't have to avoid Him because we're His. We're His children. We're His sons, His daughters. He loves us, and we can't make Him stop. Bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.